Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Pond Hunter Broadcast from the Under the Sea Radio Show on Blog Talk Radio. The Pond Hunter, in the pursuit of all things aquatic. Take a look into the world of koi ponds, water gardens, and the lifestyles of the aquatically obsessed. Meet the pros, hobbyists, and cover some no-nonsense pond advice straight from the field. The Pond Hunter, in the pursuit of all things aquatic. Here's your host, koi pond and water garden expert, Mike Gannon. Hello, hello, hello. Hey, everybody. Hey, everybody. What's up, Pond Hunter? Hey, everybody. What's going on? What's happening, folks? Hope everybody is doing well. I uh, hope everybody out there is doing great, actually. And welcome to the Pond Hunter radio broadcast. In the pursuit of all things aquatic, of course, anything aquatic, that's what we're here for, right? The aquatically obsessed people tuning into the show. Welcome. I'm your host, Mike Gannon. And you guys are tuned into episode 33 of the Pond Hunter Radio broadcast. Another one, chalked up in the books. How's everybody doing? Thank you for tuning in. And we have uh, quite a show in store for you all tonight. I have a very special guest. Um, Mark Gardner will be joining us tonight, everybody. And um, if you're a serious koi keeper or in the koi industry, I'd say it's Pretty likely you've heard of Mark. And um, Mark is going to be joining us tonight, calling in from England to talk with us. So stick around for that. And uh, he'll be calling in shortly. Um, He's about five hours ahead of us. I'm in the Northeast. He's about five hours ahead of us. So it's going to be about midnight there his time. So tune in. Tune in before it gets too late. And you guys can call in too tonight if you'd like, if you want to call in and say hi to Mark. If you have any questions or comments or anything like that, we're happy to hear from you. And the number to call in, if you should choose to, is 914-803-4557. Go ahead. Call in. Say hey. See what's going on. And um, be a part of the show. We are broadcasting live around the world, coming to you from Blog Talk Radio, from the Pond Hunter Studios and um, the Pond Hunter Channel on blogtalkradio.com. So uh, you can check out lots of Pond Hunter um, <clears throat> podcasts and radio shows there. We can also connect on Twitter, Facebook, um, YouTube, Periscope, any of you Periscopers out there. And uh, Oh, yeah, and on iTunes. I don't want to forget iTunes. So you can catch all of the past archived shows. They can be found there on iTunes or blogtalkradio.com slash the Pond Hunter. All the other stuff, Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, is just other pond-related stuff that hopefully you guys would find interesting. And if you're aquatically obsessed, you'll find lots of great stuff to check out in the Pond Hunter archives. So, um, and give me a follow while you're there, or say hi. Say hi on Twitter. be nice to hear from you guys. So, everybody... How are your ponds doing? How are your fish? How are your plants? Because it's summertime for sure here in the Northeast United States. I'm located in New Jersey in the United States. And uh, this time of year, I mean, fish now are really active. It's probably one of the most enjoyable times of year 
to be a pond keeper. It really is. And uh, I don't care if your thing is fish, it's plants, or just the plain enjoyment of a water feature. We are in the midst of the high season of pond keeping right now. So hopefully you guys are taking advantage of that and being able to spend some time by your pond, spend some time with your fish, get to know them a little better, develop your relationship with them. You know, I know it sounds lonely, but hey. Um, So, yeah, I mean, right now fish, my fish, uh, I think most people's fish are eating like crazy, and they're just really super active, constantly on the move around the pond, really almost to the point of being hyper. It's pretty hilarious. I mean, I, I can't. I walk up to my pond, and they just, they're right there, coming up to meet me. I mean, just like little lunatics. I know it's for the food, but I like to think that it's because they all love me so much. But um, anyway, I hope you guys are feeding your fish, because this time of the year, especially with koi, you know, they're they're active. So they're burning calories, they need food, they need nutrition. Make sure these big fish are getting the food that they need this time of year. And I'm sure you're seeing that your aquatic plants, are growing like crazy right now and bursting with blooms and flowers everywhere. It's a great time of year for the water garden. There is no doubt about that. And sitting by a waterfall or your water feature this time of year, hanging out in the backyard, getting some downtime, keeping cool. Maybe have a cold glass of wine, some nice white wine or something like that, or an ice cold beer. Yeah. That's right. That's what we're all talking about. And uh, it's a great time of year, too, even to get out and mingle with other pond keepers. You know, there's always something going on, some kind of show, koi show, whatever the case. Uh, It's a great time of year to go out and check out other people's ponds. There's pond tours going on pretty much all the time. And, hey, if there's not, you guys do it. You guys throw a party. Have a party next to your pond. Have a pond party. That's the time of year, you know? Getting is good, so get a while hot. And it is hot. On that note, you know, it's a good time here also just to make sure everything in your pond is running correctly. A lot of us leave town and, you know, or we go into experiencing really severe weather conditions, severe um, heat waves and stuff like that. So it really is a good time here to just do a quick um, safety check. Make sure your pumps and everything are working okay. Check your air pumps. Make sure they're good. Maybe they need new air stones. I don't know. But just make sure you're kind of on top of your pond this time of year. Make sure you're prepared because with the summer heat comes summer storms. Summer storms come the power outages. So make sure that, you know, your pond is not in a, um, you know, disadvantage if you if we happen to deal with those kind of things. And a good cleaning of the filter system this time of year is not a bad idea either. And um, if you don't want to do any of that stuff, which I understand, Contact your local pond professional because they would love to do it for you. And they'll also be able to tell you where the, where the pond tours are and all that kind of stuff locally. So don't ever hesitate to reach out to your local pond professional. And uh, if you get a lot of the small stuff taken care of now, um, this time of year, well, then um, you're going to be good till like, fall, you know? So you're kind of taking care of the rest of the season until you need to uh, – do some more stuff in the fall, apart from just general maintenance. My company keeps busy this time of year. We do midsummer services this time of year because people need it. So, um, yes, yes, yes. Be on top of your pond this time of year. And, hey, let's get ready for tonight's guest right after a word from 
our sponsor, which happens to be my company, Full Service Aquatics. So we'll be right back shortly with our guest tonight, Mr. Mark Gardner. Do you love your pond? Full Service Aquatics Water Garden and Koi Pond experts can give you a pond you can live with. Full Service Aquatics, an award-winning water garden, koi pond, and water feature design and installation firm, has been creating amazing aquatic environments since 1995. Got waterfall? Full Service Aquatics can make your old waterfall or pond look like new with our waterfall, koi pond, and water garden renovation and repair services. Visit FullServiceAquatics.com or call 908-277-6000 to speak with a Full Service Aquatics pond professional today. That's FullServiceAquatics.com or 908-277-6000. Full Service Aquatics, a pond you can live with. Visit LoveYourPond.com. That's right, Full Service Aquatics, located in Summit, New Jersey, everybody. We are pond professionals. Give us a try. We'll get everything looking great for you. Um, Got waterfall? Yes, I do. What is it? Got waterfall? Yes, I do. So, anyway, let's get uh, let's get ready for our guest this evening, Mr. Mark Gardner. He's going to be coming on shortly. Um and I'm really excited to have Mark on. I, I've actually been trying to get him on for a while. He's a very busy guy, and um, I'm very glad that I was able to kind of track him down and get him here with us tonight. And um, he's, in my opinion, I, I think that Mark is probably one of the most important people in the industry these days, even though, you know, to a degree he's kind of under the radar, but to another degree he's he's not. He's kind of all over the place and has made, you know, a really um, big impact, I think, on the industry. And um, you guys may have heard me talk about 21st century pond keepers on on other episodes. And, um, you know, I I feel like the the pond keeping um, hobby has been around for a while. And um, it's pretty ancient, has a pretty ancient history. And it went unchanged for quite some time. But, you know, in the 20th century, pond keepers saw some major changes to the industry and the technology involved with pond keeping. There was major changes. The 21st century pond keeper is a whole other animal. We're about 15 years into the 21st century now. And uh, I really feel like Mark Gardner has been the primary documentarian of the 21st century pond keeper. He's, he's actually a great example of a 21st century um, pond pro. Mark is a freelance journalist, um, a photographer. He's a filmmaker. He travels the world in pursuit of koi, and, and he literally documents the industry by way of his photographs and his videos. Um, he's really providing a record, I think, for future pond keepers to use as a database. Very interesting stuff to me. I think this is invaluable information for future pond keepers. And I appreciate Mark now, but get the feeling he'll be appreciated quite a bit more in the future as well. But enough of the future, because Mark is with us tonight. Hey, Mark, are you on the line? I hope so. Can you hear me? I can. Hey, Mark, how are you? I'm good. How are you, Mike? I'm doing great. Thank you so much for coming on tonight. I really appreciate your time. I know you're a busy guy. You're welcome. Glad to have you here. So you're about five hours ahead of me. It's midnight there? Yeah, we've just gone midnight here in the UK, yeah. 
Okay. I, thank you for staying up. <laughs> How's everything going over there in England? Yeah, not so bad. Not so bad. Uh, middle of the koi season here, so middle of the summer koi show season. So um, my first year back in the UK for some years. So quite interesting to be back in the koi scene here. Wow, so you've been out of England for about seven years. And I was going to ask, if, if you live in England, or where do you live? Are, do you live in Japan, uh, officially? Uh, um, no. I, I <laughs> uh, In 2008, I, I, I went to Japan for uh, with the intention of staying for one year. Um, basically stayed there until 2012. Um ah. Then I've been I've been in the I've been in the Philippines for a while. Uh, last year was kind of half and half Philippines and Japan. Um, now this summer I'm back in the UK, um, and wow. itching to get back itching to get back to Japan. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you get around. So, are you going to Japan after your stay in England? Yeah, I, I, I'm I'm just go there uh, mid September end of September uh, in time for the harvest season. So. Okay, yeah, that's great. Um, half of what I see about harvest season comes from you, so I'll I'll, I'll look forward <laughs> to what you, what you <laughs> to what you have coming out. Um, yeah, what part of England are you? Sorry, uh, go I'm, ahead. From, I'm from I'm from Essex, uh, to the east of London. So ah, okay, very good. What got you into koi? Um, it's a long story. Same as most people in uh, same route as most people, really, I suppose. Um, from very, very young age, I, I was into all things kind of aquatic, uh, going fishing, yeah. catching small fish from streams and keeping them in tanks and stuff. Uh, I think it was when yeah. I was around 11, 11 or 12 years old, uh, my grandfather, who worked with a guy who was a, a fish, part-time fish dealer, aquatic dealer, um, mm-hmm. he got some, some baby goldfish. And one one Saturday, I remember going there, and and there was this sort of tub with these these baby goldfish, sort of ten millimeter long or so, just hatched from eggs. And I said wow. to my parents, "Let's take some of those home." So that became an aquarium, and they grew larger, and that became the first pond. And then once you get a pond, you discover koi, and the rest kind of is history. So I guess I saw my yeah. first koi, my first koi around twenty five years. Uh, yeah, twenty five years ago now. Yeah, um, th- no, th- almost thirty years. Thirty years ago, first time I saw koi. Um, when I got to the age of sixteen, I was completely obsessed by koi. Um, des- desperately wanted to go to Japan. Um, was a member of the British Koi Keepers Society. Um, yeah, and that was it. And I was hooked. Um, and I think now, pretty much, if you, I always say to people when I do presentations and stuff, if you cut me through the middle. Um, then koi runs right the way through. To be honest, yeah, it's an it's an amazing thing how infectious koi can be. Do you Absolutely. remember? Do you do you remember the first koi that you saw? Um, yeah, I I, I I can't remember exactly the first koi I saw, but I can certainly remember the very very early experiences of koi. Um, yeah, when I when I was at uh, secondary school or junior high school, I guess you would call it there. Um, we had yeah. an aquarium. We had an aquarium shop, which was around five-minute bicycle ride from my school. And at lunch times, we would go there, and they had koi in there, in the aquarium store, um, in large aquariums. 
And at that time, before I had a pond and I had an aquarium, and they would spawn the koi in that aquarium shop. And I went there with a friend one lunchtime and, and bought some, some baby koi, which were about an inch long. Um, yeah. That, that was probably the first koi that I bought. Um, and also, huh. um, near my grandparents' house, um, about 30 minutes walk away from there, was one of the large aquatic outlets in the UK at the time, uh, which had a... Uh, which it, uh, then seemed like a massive koi pond, whether it was in yeah. real terms, I, I don't know. Um, but certainly when I when it was one of the first ponds I saw, it was a massive koi pond. Um, yeah. And that, that was one of the probably the first place I saw what I considered proper koi at the time. Um, right. So, but then uh, by the time I was 16, I was involved in the show circuit in the UK. Um doing benching at koi shows and that kind of stuff. Um, wow. It's, it's just kind of grown from there. <laughs> yeah. I think it's very funny. I, I like asking people what got them into koi. And a, a very common story that, that most people tell is that they, it started when they were kids and they were fish keepers, and all of them rode their bikes to the local pet shop, yeah. <laughs> including myself. Uh, I used to... I would, I would ride my bike to any pet shop within a, a one-hour radius of how far I could ride a bike. <laughs> yeah, there's there's a so we're going back 30 years now, but there's a guy I still know now who I, I saw at the Koi Show last weekend. Still lives local to me, and he worked in that fish yeah. shop part time, part time when he was uh, when he was at school as well. So we know each other from way back then as well. So 30 odd years ago. Um, wow, and he's still uh, into it. Yeah, yeah, and there's a guy here, uh, Mark Davis, a, a, a koi breeder here in the UK. When I was 16, he was uh, doing an apprenticeship in Japan, and in those days, wow. he was my hero. I desperately wanted to be that guy. So, uh, yeah. And I, again, it's someone I still see. I saw him just this week, last weekend at the koi show as well. So, uh, there's lots of people that have been in a very long while. It's a very small community, and lots of people come and go. But there's a lot of people that have been in a long while as well. You come from an area in England, uh, the Essex area, that really, that really has kind of a, as far back as the tradition can go, um, it's pretty rich in the tradition of koi keeping. Um, yeah, absolutely. And that absolutely. Is, isn't that where the BKKS was, was actually founded and started in Essex? Uh, it wasn't. Um, I don't think it was necessarily founded here in Essex, um, but certainly um, the hobby here was very strong. Um, if we go back to the, the late 80s and the, the early 90s, um, in terms of the uh, the BKS, BKKS National Koi Show, um, the Essex section of the Essex Koi Club was one of the clubs that really got that um, to a, a new level in terms of koi shows. And um, uh, it was a very... The Essex, sex, the Essex Koi Show um, was certainly one of the biggest koi shows uh, in the UK um, back in the yeah. day, so... Um, it, it has a long history. It has a long, long history of, of being a po- popular koi place. We didn't have many dealers, to be honest. To be honest, we had lots of hobbyists. Yeah. But we had very few dealers back then in, in this area. Yeah, it's very interesting. I didn't see my first koi until it was probably the late '80s, maybe um, 1988, 1989, somewhere around there. Um, which, which I saw at a pet shop. I didn't even really know what it was. 
Um, it was just this great-looking, sturdy fish that came right up to the, the glass of the tank and stared me right back in the eye. I was like, I have to have this guy. And uh, yeah. I'll tell you, I, I, I know it's not the best way to do it, but I didn't know what I was doing. I brought him home, and I had about six fish tanks going, and I put him in with um, some African cichlids. <laughs> And uh, he did great, actually. He he did very well, but but not the best way to keep koi. At least I wouldn't recommend that these days. No, actually, no. <laughs> yeah. So that's so from a really so from a very young age, you've you've just been wired for for koi. Um, did uh, you ever get into the the trade of were you ever breeding or selling or or anything like that? I had a few years trading. Um... Uh, essentially, that, oh, so from the age of 15, 16, my dream was to go to Japan. Um, it wasn't until 2001 I got there for the first time. Um, and then as, as soon as I got there, I knew I needed to go there as much as I could. Um, yeah. So I, I, I started I started trading in Koi purely as a a, a route for, to enable me to go to Japan, basically. Um, sure. That that was from uh, 2002 through to uh, around 2006, 2007. Um, okay. And then I had a business selling dry goods as well, mail order dry good business, um, which right. all all kind of stopped when I decided in 2008 to go there, or to move to Japan for a year, basically. Um, okay. And that was where, what most of the stuff that people know me for now that's when that all kind of started was around in 2008 when i went to japan okay and how did you find the industry over there when you was it what you would expect it to be or, or did anything about it surprise you um what yeah you hoped for it to be no i i i the reason i the reason i first went there in 2008 as much as it being my passion was um from the age of, of 15, 16, I, I'd read and read every book and every magazine and every video, everything I could get my hands on. I, I, I'd, I'd got, I'd, I'd read it and, and, and so I absorbed it. Um, and in June 2007, I went to Niigata for the first time, which is obviously the place that was written about mostly in, in koi terms. Um, and despite the fact I've been to Japan many times, it wasn't until 2007 I went to Niigata. Um, and I spent um, three, three weeks three weeks in April 2007 in, in Niigata and then went back for six weeks in October, November um, and there was so much stuff I was seeing then about what koi breeders were doing that I had never read about anywhere for everything I'd right. read and everything I'd seen um, and I kind of just concluded that there must be so much more that goes on outside of the koi season or outside of the business season which is obviously the, the spring season and the the harvest season um that had never been written about and people didn't ever talk about um so that was my yeah. objective my, my objective in 2008 was to go there for a year um and document what people did um and it was supposed to be a book and it was supposed to be a dvd uh, which was called the yamakoshi year it was all planned um, and it never happened because I ended up just staying and staying and staying and staying. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it's, it's, there was so much stuff. And I, it's kind of difficult now to, to say exactly what those things were. But um, one of the things is, and, and one of the things that frustrates me enormously now is, is when I see people say, oh, 
oh, this is what they do in Japan, or this is what the breeders do, because there's nothing you can generalize about what the breeders do. The only thing that they all have in common is they produce koi for sale. Exactly yeah. how they do that, exactly how they do that, and their process for doing it varies so much from breeder to breeder. And for example, people will say, oh, what, what food do the breeders use? And every single breeder will use several different brands of food because they all have cheap right. fish and they, they all have expensive fish. And it doesn't take a genius to work out that cheap fish get fed cheap food and expensive fish get fed expensive food. And there's four or five different brands they can use to achieve that. Um, so that's just an example of, of, of where you can't generalize on what breeders do. And yeah, yeah, one breeder, you may be able to say, oh, such and such breeder feeds Saki Akari, but he doesn't feed Saki Akari to everything. <laughs> He's yeah. got plenty of fish to get fed cheap food as well. So, And the same goes for then sinking and, and sinking food, floating food. And that's just one individual breeder. It can vary. So that, you know, multiply that across the the hundreds of breeders in Japan, and, and the the variables are huge. So when people sure. generalise it, when people generalise, that's one of the things that you just cannot do about what the breeders do. Yeah, is the breeding industry over there? Is it a, a friendly industry? Do the breeders get along with each other? Do they share information with each other, or is uh, their technique? Yeah, uh, I, I, I think uh, people in in the West or outside of it consider that they they share a lot more information than they actually do. Um, okay. But there's a whole lot of there's a there's a whole lot of information, and um, so even even breeders that maybe socialise together to a certain extent don't necessarily explain in. When they're when they're socialising with each other, then they're not talking business. If you understand, right? Yeah, uh, I do. Yeah. Um, so uh, you, you can go to one. Oh yeah, quite often, as I go around to breeders, pe- the, the the breeders use me as a what so and so doing, what so and so doing, what so and so doing. Um, just 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 to, yeah, you get a handle on what's happening in in terms of breeding and yeah. Uh, so now, for example, when they started doing their first cull and those kind of things after the spawning's taken place, they won't be all discussing with each other um, how the spawning's gone and, and that kind of thing. Um, right. Yeah. I, I mean, so, yeah, has your spawning gone? Yeah, it's fine. Not not, not in yeah. detail about you know, the, the real quality of the fish and that kind of stuff. So. Uh, right. And then yeah. there'll be lots it's, of things. I, lots I, of things I was that, thinking maybe... Yeah, in many ways, I would almost look at it the way you see today's culinary chefs get together. You know, they they share information, they share recipes, but they're always going to keep one ingredient out. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I, I think that's a fair, fair, fair analogy. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah, uh, there's things like, you know, you, you see them you know, when they come to the koi shows. Absolutely, they all work together. They all work together for okay. a common good. But... yeah. That doesn't necessarily you. Know, they'll they'll stand and laugh and joke at the koi shows with each other. That doesn't necessarily mean they're all best of friends. Um, sure. Yeah. Uh, the same as any industry, but whereas um, uh, maybe maybe outside in in other countries and other places, maybe um, 
if someone was, was sort of nose was out of joint a little bit, they wouldn't necessarily help at the Koi Show in 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 Japan. Right. It's the Koi Show. We're all part of the same organisation, and therefore we have to work um, at the Koi Show. And that's maybe a, a Japanese thing more than a a Western thing. Yeah, you know, it's it's interesting when you you bring up um, other countries and Koi industries. I find it fascinating to see how Koi have really spread around the globe in a a relatively short period of time since they've yeah. just kind of come mm-hmm. into mainstream. I mean, they're they're all over the place now, and you you travel quite a bit. Where are some of the countries? What are some of the countries you've been to um, when you're dealing or or you know working on the the koi industry? Uh, the c- countries I've actually visited, um, I've I've done most yeah. of the Asian con- most of the Asian countries that are in Takoya I've been to, um, so I've been to Thailand, Indonesia, Taiwan, uh, Philippines, Malaysia, um, that sort of group of of, of Asian countries. Um, in yeah. Europe, in Europe, I've been to the Holland, Belgium, um, which are the two main countries outside the UK, really. Um, mm-hmm. And I've never made it to I've never made it to the states yet, but we've got plans to come there in November. So, yeah, come on over. Come on yeah, over. we're, we're, um, we're hoping to go to to, to Bill and Maureen McGurk's place up at um, uh, Perdinkoy in, in November. So, and do some stuff up there in November. So, okay, yeah, interesting. So, Holland and Belgium, outside of England. So, so. A lot of times we'll see in the the koi market over here that it's it's a German koi. Um, is Germany a strong um, market for koi, or, or or are maybe those koi really coming from Holland or Belgium? When you say German koi, how do you mean? You mean in, in terms of Deutsche koi? Like, the, yeah, where the where they're bred. Yep, Deutsche and and all those. Um, they're okay, they're well, marketed well, here. As German koi. Ah, okay. Well, Deutsche koi comes about from um, around nineteen, I think it was around nineteen eighteen or nineteen twenty, when um, so the 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 Deutsch fish were originally bred in Austria um, by the by the monks in Austria um, as a food fish, and wow. the Jap- the Japanese word for Germany is Deutsche. Oh, okay. Um, Good. And some some fish back then were were shipped from from Germany to Japan, and uh, there was a, a a scientist, professor, biologist, whatever he was, who bred um, a sagi with with the, uh, the the scaleless carp that had been shipped from from Germany, um, and produced shisui, which was the first Deutsche fish. Um, so that was the first German scale fish. Um, that, that's literally all that Deutsche means. And when you see if it's if people use the term German uh, Deutsche carp, yeah. then, then that, that's that's all it means. Um, they're not actually being yeah. bred in Germany in any any great amount. There's very little um, koi farming goes on in Europe, to be honest. Um, oh, okay. Uh, there, there, there's there's a, a few farms, but certainly not as extensive as it would be in America, and certainly not as expe- extensive as it is in um, Asian countries. Um, yeah. So certainly, uh, I know, w- w- when I grew when I grew up as a, an early koi, a young koi keeper, um, 
it was very much um, koi breeding or breeding koi was a waste of time um, in terms of you wouldn't achieve anything in terms of quality you wouldn't achieve anything in 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 terms of you know, g- good fish and so right. it was it was just the norm to you if you're going to keep koi you bought imported koi from Japan and right. still very much in the UK um in terms of uh, Japanese koi are very much a brand to, uh, to themselves um yes uh, uh we here we we have, you know essentially have two types of koi here the Japanese market which is probably 99% of it and we have fish that come from Israel as well which is a tiny part of it um right. but Jap- Japanese fish certainly you know um, are considered by the majority of people as serious koi keepers to be to be head and shoulders above, above the Israeli koi. Um, right. And the same would go for most of Europe. We've got a couple of breeders. Um, Mark Davis here in the UK. He's one breeder. Um, Josab and in Poland, or Dutch guy who breeds in Poland, is another guy. Mm-hmm. Um, but that that's kind of... That, there's very few people that are pursuing koi breeding as a serious business proposition. Um, right. Whereas if you go to Indonesia, for example, in Indonesia, I, I think it's very much like Japan was 50 years ago in terms of um, rice farmers realizing there's a whole lot more money to be made from breeding carp than there is from making rice, or from growing rice. Um, huh, very so interesting. The, the koi breeding industry in Indonesia is growing hugely. Um, in the Philippines as well, there's many, many people who um, are trying to breed koi as, as, as much as um, buying imported koi. So, right. Uh, uh, I think it's just, um, I think uh, we in the UK, uh, apart from gold, yeah, we, we 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 historically had goldfish which were being bred here in the UK. Um, mm-hmm. The, the 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 farming of tropical fish didn't happen. It was cheaper to import them, um, so we don't have a huge fish breeding um, culture here in the UK. Whereas places right. in Asia, um, the Philippine in the Philippines, they have a huge culture of breeding fish, all types of different fish, whether it's marine yeah. fish, whether it's tropical fish, um, and it's natural that koi become a progression of that. Um, yeah. And, and likewise in Indonesia, in Indonesia, there's huge um, culture of breeding fish for for the table or whether or for the table and for ornamental purposes. Um, here in the in the UK, all we did was if you, almost all the food fish are, are are were historically caught from the sea um, because we're an right. island nation, um, so we just yep. didn't have that fish, that that fish farming uh, culture didn't exist here. So koi right. just didn't. It didn't happen with koi either. Yeah. Well, you you've been all over the place. Um, what do you think these days, right now? Who has the most impressive um, koi scene going on? You think it's over in uh, the Asian countries? Yeah, I think Indonesia is is the the biggest place at the moment. Um, okay. I, now, nowadays, in, uh, at the moment, now in Indonesia, it seems that. Every weekend there's a koi show somewhere, if not more than one. Um, 
Um, yeah. And, and certainly the the very best koi en masse going outside of Japan um, are going to Indonesia. Um, <laughs> the, la- the last time I was at a koi show in Indonesia a couple of years ago, um, I think every every best in variety fish of that 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 koi show in Indonesia had previously been the best in variety koi at the All Japan Koi Show, which gives yeah. a yeah a, an idea of the level of fish that are being imported into Indonesia. Yeah, uh, that's amazing. And, yeah, and, and and there's a huge um, it, it, it it's very much driven by the show scene. Um, uh, it, it's. I, I think generally, um, if I look at the Asian countries, it's the the, the people of, of Chinese origin who are, are the real fanatical koi keepers, generally. Um, okay. And they they have this, they have this very competitive streak in terms of showing koi, um, and and. And that 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 drives the the hobby enormously and drives the business enormously because um, everybody yeah. wants to get one better than the next person. Um, yeah, that's great. Uh, I love yeah, that. So so, so, so yeah, in, Indonesia's now uh, Thailand now is becoming very strong as well. Yeah, and, and I'm surprised that they're they're not stronger because Thailand. Um, I was a fish dealer before when I wanted to you know just specifically working with ponds and um a lot of the fish came from thailand a lot of the the unusual breed and i do mean tropical fish not mm-hmm. not koi but um tropical aquarium fish a lot was coming in from thailand and just really cool stuff some weird stuff too <laughs> but uh it'll be interesting to see what thailand does i a lot of these things these um different clubs and everything i follow on facebook which is a great tool to connect into the world of, of koi. And um, so I do see the stuff going on in Indonesia, Malaysia, but it seems like the Philippines are having an awful lot of fun over there. Um, yeah, yeah. I the, they, the Philippines, I think, is the next growth market, is the next growth, yeah. growth country. Yeah, um, their, their clubs look like they have a lot of fun. They always seem to have great shows going on. It's fun. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's 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 early days, um, but certainly it's it's growing very rapidly. Yeah, um, I'm sure in in part to me that because of Facebook, the the face of the Philippine koi scene is Brizel Martinez. I know she's yeah, a friend yeah. of yours as well. Yeah, yeah, she makes she makes it look like it's a lot of fun over there. They're just having a whole bunch of fun. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, I. I um, they 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 have a, a marketing slogan for the the tourist industry there saying that says it's more fun in the Philippines. Um, yeah. <laughs> so that, that that's kind of the Philippines full stop. I think it's it's yeah. It, it, yeah. It's, it's a it's a very relaxed party kind of place. <laughs> yeah. Cool. Sounds like my kind of place. Um, <laughs> do you do any any judging at the shows? I I've done a bit of judging. Um, it's not something that. Um, Necessarily excites me, shall I say? Um, okay. Uh, uh, it, norm, normally, normally I, 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 I'm busy doing other stuff. Um, I, I've right. never, I've never, I've never felt the the 
urge from a long while ago. I think probably when I was back at 17, 18 years old, I, I considered being a ju- or joining the judging program here. Um, I never did, and it, it's not something that, that I'm overly concerned with. I, I'm um, I'm I'm happy with what I know. I don't, without being a qualified judge, shall I say? Right. Do you know how many Do you know about how many Koi shows you've been to? How many Koi shows I've been to? I have absolutely no idea. Yeah. What would you consider the the best Koi show in the world? Oh, without question, the the All Japan Koi show that takes place every January, February in Japan in Tokyo. Yeah. Uh, um, All Japan. It's it's uh, head head and shoulder the the quality of the koi there is head and shoulders above anything else anywhere else in uh, anywhere else in the world there's nowhere else can touch it in terms of quality um, yeah and for me that's what a koi show is about a koi show is about the koi that are on display not the 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 stuff that happens in uh, in the periphery um, so not the, not the the dealers selling and all those kind of things at the koi show. Um, and the other events that are taking place at the Koi Show are not of interest to me. For me, a Koi Show yeah. is it, it's about the fish that are on display. Um, yeah. And you uh, do a fantastic job of, of documenting that and, and bringing that to a lot of people. I mean, my, myself, too. I, I, I look at you as the almost the documentarian of... Um, the koi industry these days, because you're you're bringing things from around the world and, and sharing these amazing photos. Um, you do writing, you do videos. Uh, how long did you? How long have you been into the photography of koi? Um, well, right, right on my wall right here next to me is my first magazine cover, which I think was 2003, which was the start of me start of me doing doing photography. Um, yeah. And 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 really the the I I I was at a point around 2006-2007 where uh my eye and my appreciation of koi was was far more advanced than my bank balance was. So <laughs> the, the, the 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 koi the koi that I appreciated um I couldn't afford and the koi that I could yeah. afford I did the koi that I could afford, I didn't really appreciate, um, yeah. and I, I certainly didn't appreciate the running costs and the time costs uh, of looking after those fish. And uh, 2006 was the first time I went to the All Japan Koi Show, um, and having yeah. seen it once, I became absolutely hooked, and, and that became my hobby. Um, if if there was only one thing I could do, um, what in any any given year about koi, then it would be to go to the All Japan Koi Show. Um, yeah. If that was the only thing, if that was the only thing I could do, that would be that would be enough to satisfy my hobby. And and I, wow. I, I love the fact I love the fact that so I've been every year since two thousand six to the All Japan yeah. Koi Show. Um, from two thousand seven um, to, to to date, I've been to most other koi shows in Japan, the major koi shows in Japan. Um, and that 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 that's that be, you say that became my hobby. My hobby was was going there and, and photographing those koi and 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 seeing those koi. Um, yeah. And yeah, documenting it. And you're bringing all of that to to the industry and to the hobby and to the lifestyle 
um, and you're sharing it around the world, which I think is, is absolutely tremendous. But even apart from your, your photography, you also do filmmaking. You do a lot of videography. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I, there, I don't know if, if, if they're hard to get here in the United States, your videos, but, um, I mean, I have gotten them. And uh, they're just, they're wonderful. I mean, they're very nice to look at. They're nice-looking videos. Obviously, the content, everything you're covering is just fascinating stuff from um, the koi harvesting and, and different breeders and guys pulling pulling koi from mud ponds and just really, you've managed to capture, to me, some really important things to somebody who, who enjoys this hobby and, and lifestyle so much. Now, you have, um, you've created a few videos, and I, I would even say they're, they're more along the lines of films. Um, do you have, what are some of the, just so people know some of the names, what are some of the, the um, videos that you already have out and available? Uh, so uh, I mean, the, the, most, the most recent, the most kind of up-to-date, uh, last season I spent 120 days in Japan um, and, and created uh, the Nigata Season series, which is uh, three videos, spring, summer, and autumn, uh, mm-hmm. which to- totals about four four hours, 15 minutes of video in total, I think. Um, and it covers the whole season. It, it covers it basically a year in the life of koi breeders. Um, and it's very much a... Um, I, I like to think of that as a, a, a put it on, sit back and just watch it and just get absorbed in in the moment kind of thing. Um, yeah. Uh, just, just, you know, enjoy the scenery. It's... Uh, that that it's filmed in the place that was, you know it has been my home pretty much most of since since 2008 for most of the time and yeah. it's a place it's a place that I absolutely adore um and I, I that that was one of my things that I wanted to to try and capture in the video is you know just just sit back and watch it and enjoy it and and just drift away into the scenery and enjoy the scenery um yeah and we, you we, we, a lot of you do get a lot of scenery in there, literally. Um, beautiful landscapes. Uh, I mean, just you really captured some really compelling video. It, it, they're wonderful to watch. Thank you. I appreciate that. Um, certainly, that was that was the intention. Um, it wasn't necessarily so much as making a story. It was about just you know, being able, you know, something that people can sit and you know just appreciate the beauty of the place and, and the, the place that's so special. Um, and what, yeah. what, I, what I try to, to always try and tell people is, you know, when when they look at that, yeah, you know, were it not for those mountains and the people that lived in those mountains a few hundred years years ago, had they not, by pure fortune, come across coloured carp in their, their spawnings of food fish, we we wouldn't have koi as we know them today. So, um, it's a very very important and special place in in the terms of the hobby we all enjoy. Yeah. It is the birth center. It's the the epicenter Absolutely. of it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I hope people will. Go ahead. Yeah, and then we have some other stuff, which is kind of educational, more educational stuff. Um, some stuff we've done with a guy called Mike Snaden, who's one of the, a dealer here in the UK, um, one of the premium dealers here in the UK now. And um, stuff planned for for the coming the coming harvest season as well. So. Uh, unfortunately, yeah. there's more stuff planned. More stuff planned than there is time to make it. Unfortunately. 
Yeah, yeah, exactly. It takes time to get all that out. So we do have things to look forward to coming from you in the future. Yeah, absolutely. Um, certainly, certainly. And I think you should do a book. Maybe you didn't get to do it in the, the timeline that you planned, but I think uh, you should do a book. <laughs> uh, if I thought there was enough people out there to buy it, then I would. Yeah, well, you never know. <laughs> um, now, if people want to get your videos, how can they get them? What, I mean, what it, should they do? Okay, there's not so many retailers um, in the U.S., um, but everything's available by mail order from from my website nishioi.tv. Okay. Um, and also, um, almost all of the video titles are available on uh, Vimeo as well. If people just want to either Vimeo. rent them, yeah, they can either rent them there or or they can uh, download them and purchase purchase them for download. Or rent them for oh, a, a, a thirty-day period, um, okay. where they can just stream, stream them as many times as they like during thirty days. So, yeah, cool. And, it, and if, um, if they you, if they if they find me on Vimeo, there's also hours and hours of free stuff on there as well to watch. So that's good to know. Um, and then you also, with your photography, you have uh, a calendar coming out. Yeah, we just just announced that today. Um, something that. Um, for 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 many years, I mean, probably going back to when I first started doing the the koi pictures back in sort of the early two thousands, people have always said to me, "You should make a calendar. You should make a calendar." Um, and I was like, "Yeah, yeah, okay, yeah." And when I was in Japan, so the trouble with when I was in Japan was the logistics of of shipping from and getting stuff made in the UK. And when I'm not here to supervise it. Um, it just so happens that at the moment I'm I'm back here and somebody said to me at the weekend, have you thought of making a calendar? And I went, you know what? You're about the millionth person that's asked me that, so maybe I should do it. Um, yeah. yeah, so we, 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 I put something together over the last uh, two or three days, um, which had just gone off to the printers for proof printing um, just this evening. Um, just been um, It's been posted online on Facebook, my Facebook page as well. So yeah, so cool. we shall see. We shall see how that comes out. Um, I'll get my my proof copies back on Friday. So, um, but yeah, it's, it's, uh, the sample prints I have from my printer here look very nice. I'm pleased with them. So we've got thirteen or tw- twelve pages. Twelve pages of each page with a, a nice landscape picture of, of the Niigata area, and then on top of that, a, a top of the top grade all Japan. Um, prize-winning koi as well. So, so I, I hope people great. like it. I hope people like it when they see it. Um, yeah, if, if, I'm sure if, they if, will. And it's available if dealers, if, if any dealers or, or any koi-related businesses want it personalised, we can get it personalised and customised for them with their branding as well. So we shall see how it goes. It may become a regular <laughs> annual thing, or it may be a, a, a one-off in 2016. Yeah. The market will. The market will decide that. The market will demand that. Well, I, I hope you you can send me an autographed uh, uh, calendar. <laughs> They're worth so less that's money. Great. Yeah. Um, I mean, Mark, you, you, uh, I, I want to thank you again for coming on tonight. Um, I, I just think you do a tremendous job out there, and uh, you know, I for one really appreciate seeing the work that you do and. And what you go through to get it done, because it, it can't be easy traveling the way you do and and getting together the, the content and the products and and 
bringing it to everybody. Uh, I think you, I understand why you're so busy and I, I love your work and I really appreciate you coming on here tonight very much. You're welcome. Thank you very much for the, for the comments. It's very kind. Thank you. Yeah. Well, the hour kind of kind of flew by, but uh, I hope we can do this again some other time. There's, there's tons and tons to talk about, but I want to thank you again for coming on tonight, and um, you're a great guest, and I hope to uh, talk to you again soon. Cheers. Thank you very much, Mike. Thank you so much. You have, a, have a good evening. Thanks for staying up. Cheers. <laughs> thank you. Cheers. Bye-bye. Okay. Take good care. That's cool. That was Mark Gardner, everybody. Mark is like one of my kind of pond heroes. Uh, you kind of sometimes in this industry you have to live vicariously, and he's one of the guys that I can do that through, whether checking out his, um, you know, following him on Facebook and seeing what he's doing and where he's going or getting his videos and checking out his photos and everything. I mean, it's it's on my short list to go to Japan and most certainly, hopefully, to see the All Japan Koi Show. But in the meantime, I have to settle for Mark's cool videos. And, and remember, everybody, you can find those on Vimeo. You can download those. You can rent them. You can purchase them. Hopefully, you just purchase them so you have them to watch again and again. And Mark really is a 21st century pond industry documentarian. Um it's happening in real time for us, but I, I really believe his content in the future is going to become very important part of the history of of pond keeping and how people went about doing it in this day and age. Because you know it's it's been around a long time, and pond keeping is not going to be going away anytime soon. So it's important work he's doing. I appreciate it very much. Mark was a great guest, and I thank him so much for coming on. If you guys want to catch up with Mark, you can find him on Facebook. Um, where he's pretty active. And, um, you know, remember, you can get videos, photos, calendars, and other Koi-related products from Mark. And um, there's some really cool stuff. So definitely be sure to check it out. And um, thanks again, Mark. Thanks for coming on tonight. Great guest. And, um, yeah, so listen, everybody, there's there's some really cool stuff happening out in the pond world this summer, too. Um, I'm going to open up the pages of Pond Trade Magazine here and let you know what's happening. By the way, I would like to brag a little bit. The July-August 2015 issue of Pond Trade Magazine, I had an article published in it. So if you guys haven't read it, I hope you'll go and read it. Um, very um, honored to be in the pages of Pond Trade and um, an article about a pro- uh, project that we had done, a 400,000-gallon um, koi pond. So pretty cool. Pretty cool stuff. And there's a lot of other great authors in there besides me, of course. Um, Andrew Roberts has, has a great article in there. Joe Pollack had a, has a really cool um, article. You know, he's from Blackwater Creek Koi Farms down Florida. I've actually seen him talk. He's a really great guy. He's talking about sapphire koi. Jamie Byer has an article in there. Michael Stone, Ken Ruff, David Dwensing, um, Kent Wallace, he's in there. He's a regular contributor. So uh, make sure you're checking out this month's this uh, issue of Pontrade Magazine. And um, check out my article, please. So coming up, we got some busy stuff. July, oh, that's done. Oh, that's all done. Pondemonium, baby. Pondemonium being hosted by Aquascape Incorporated. It is the premier event for pond professionals in the world. It's happening in St. Charles, Illinois, August 5th through 8th at the Q Center. 
And um, Palm Professionals, get your butts out there. You can still register. Registration was closed. They reopened it. You can still get in, um, but spaces are really super limited. So don't sit on the fence. Hop right in and uh, get over to Pandemonium August 5th through 8th. August 13th through 15th, the IWGS, the International Water Garden Society, Water Lily and Water Garden Society Symposium happening in Lawrence, Kansas at Water's Edge. That's August 13th through 15th. If you want to learn more about that, go to IWGS.org. And um, that's that's always an amazing event. Uh, it's another one that I plan to make it to some one of these days. Coming up in September, talking about koi shows, uh, September 11th, 12th. 13th, the ZNA Potomac Koi Show at the Meadowlock Gardens in Virginia. Go to znapotomac.org slash show to get more information about that. Bam. And there we go. On Trade Magazine, everybody. One of my favorites. Go ahead and check that out. So, yeah, a lot of cool stuff going on. There's always cool stuff going on in the, the pond industry. Um, there's a new episode of Pond Squad coming out, your favorite pond and water garden reality TV show. You can check out Pond Squad on YouTube. You can see all the past episodes there, and you can subscribe for all the new episodes that are coming out. And there'll be a couple new episodes of the Pond Hunter video series coming out soon, too. Um, this summer, I've been shooting a few of uh, the projects that we've been working on. So there's some really cool stuff that I felt was uh, nice for video. That will be coming up, so stay tuned for that stuff. It uh, takes a while to get it out, but it is, it's coming. Um, thanks for tuning in, everybody, to the show. I'm your host, Mike Gannon, the Pond Hunter. This is episode 33 of the PHRP. And remember, you can get more Pond Hunter on Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, Periscope, iTunes. And I'm broadcasting to you from blogtalkradio.com slash the Pond Hunter. Thanks for being here. Be sure to catch the next episode. Cool stuff coming up. Be sure you guys tune in and check out all the past episodes. Never becomes irrelevant. Lots of great guests and lots of great info. So take care, everybody. We will see you next time. And uh, until then, you know what you guys should be doing? Keep it pondy. That's what you should be doing, all right? Keep it pondy. Yeah, that's right. All right, everybody. We'll catch you next time. Thanks for tuning in. I'm Mike Gannon. And... uh, let me roll you guys on out with the Pond Hunter outro clip. Here we go. You have been listening to the Pond Hunter radio broadcast on Blog Talk Radio with your host, Mike Gannon, the Pond Hunter. In the pursuit of all things aquatic, broadcasting Wednesday nights on Blog Talk Radio. The Pond Hunter, keeping it pondy for the aquatically obsessed. That's right. Keep it pondy. Okay. Keep it pondy. Yes, we will. Keep it pondy. Keep it pondy. Take care, everybody. We'll catch you next time.